1: Welcome into the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider, whether that's on Android or on Apple. That way you'll get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Make sure that you check out an episode that I think some people missed because we put it out right before Thanksgiving. We had Jay Fiedler and Randy McMichael on together and they told stories about their time together together. With the Dolphins, um, whether you go back to Thanksgiving 2003 or what happened in 2002 where things kind of fell apart in Denver when the Dolphins had a real chance to do something significant. And also some of the characters they played with, whether it was Ricky Williams or Zach Thomas or Jason Taylor or even the one they played for, Dave Wonstadt. So make sure you check that out. uh, You get that anytime. Once we put up an episode, it never disappears. Also, check out the other 14 podcasts in our network course we've got three yards per carry I'm, cu- I'm currently feuding with them so we'll discuss that here a little bit on the pod Miami Heat beat check them out as the Miami Heat tonight actually as we're speaking uh, sunk down to 11th in the Eastern Conference and now are only three and a half games ahead of last in the East and nine games behind first so I feel like the direction is being chosen for them we'll probably talk some heat a little bit later in the week also check out our newest podcast it's the chamber podcast that's with former dolphin chris chambers also shay tab and zach duarte and that is a fitness performance lifestyle concept a little different than some of the other stuff we have in the network all right we've been doing these recaps after every dolphin game now today chris and i were not in the same place we we're not even in the same state um chris was doing the pregame and the halftime show for 560 wqm the dolphins uh Broadcast. I was in New York, actually, trying to find a sports bar that would actually carry the Dolphins, and <laughs> so, so I. And, and if you haven't, and one of the things I, I actually texted you guys on this, you know, New York City is not a great NFL Sunday city. Um, I mean, I lived here for a period of time. I was born here. And you will find you know, that the bars tend to be more packed for big hockey games or big baseball games, particularly if you get into the
2: playoffs. I just, I just uh, assume for that for people NFL there Sunday. that are out and about on a Sunday are not really interested in NFL football. That like, I mean, it's just right. I, I think of New York City as a function of tourists, like actual like Manhattan, like as a function of tourists more than of, you know, anybody who's into anything or is any kind of locality or interest in sports. Like it's just you're there to be a tourist.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's true, and I went to the most touristy area. We happen to be around Times Square, and so I was trying to find a sports bar. So I found one that had the Sunday package, um, and they had about 12 TVs on the first floor, about 12 TVs on the second floor. I got them to put the Dolphin Game on one TV. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, was, I was watching that TV, um, even though, obviously, this is sort of a Jets town a little bit. It's more of a Giants town but uh, I was able to watch the game there from start to finish. And so we're going to talk about a game that in, it pretty much finishes, in my view, finishes the Dolphins' season. And, and the sad part about this, Chris, is that it was predictable. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that because even an idiot like myself could predict it. I, with about seven or eight minutes left, I tweeted, and when they, the Dolphins were up 10, okay, now we're going to see if the Dolphins can kill a game on the road and they're going to have to run the ball to do that. And it just started to fall apart from there. And and I feel like I've seen this game a thousand times and covered this game Five hundred times over yeah, the years. and and, okay. and to me
2: and to me, that was so infuriating was that I, I saw a lot. Of, I think uh, Dolphins fans had a sinking feeling that once they went up 24-14 and Vinatieri missed a field goal, that this was going to happen. And I don't know why I'm still the moron that is not, that like still feels blindsided by that, and still like, wow, what a shock that that happened. And I'm sitting here on my couch, f- feeling as if I was just running over by a train. And somehow I'm I'm I don't have even though it's the only Dolphins football that I've known my entire life. I'm still surprised by this. I
1: was still surprised by this result today. I was floored by what happened. Why? How could you possibly be surprised I know. by this? I, 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 was I, I mean, floored. Adam Vinatieri has been doing this to them. Okay. And, and again, he's not the most significant player in this disaster, but he's been doing this to them for two decades. I covered this game in New England. Okay. We could have talked about this game with Jay Fiedler. Okay. I covered this game. In New England, in 2002, last game of the regular season, where all the Dolphins had to do was finish that game and they make the playoffs, and instead, okay, instead, uh, they did everything wrong at the end of that game. Travis Miner, I believe, fumbled a, a, a kickoff. Uh, Alindo Murray kicked a kickoff out of bounds. Uh, Fiedler threw to Chambers, who's in our network now, three straight times. Norv called three straight throws. Terrell Buckley broke those throws up. Uh, I mean, this game has happened. I I remember that walk to the locker room and the Dolphins players looking stunned. Okay, It was one of the worst locker rooms I've ever covered just in terms of players being disappointed. It was frigid. They blew the playoffs, all the rest of that. But I'm not stunned anymore. I mean, I covered this 16 years ago, and it's happened 100 times since. And, I I mean, it happened in Minnesota that same year where Chris Carter, who they'd signed off the street, dropped a pass in the end zone. I remember that game. Remember that one? Oh, my God. Oh. Right, okay, and it happened this year in Cincinnati, and we're looking at these two games on the road before we start assessing blame here, and and basically the season was lost mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati up there, and the fourth quarter today in Indianapolis. That's where the season was lost. Right, especially because,
2: especially because those are the two teams that you don't have tiebreakers with now and that have you a game out of that final playoff spot when really that's the goal of the season is well not... It's not the goal of the season. The goal of the season is to start building a Super Bowl contender. Because you're far away from that, at least see the building blocks of it. But right. but like make the playoffs have a chance. And look, after ten games, that you still have a chance. After everything that's happened this season, It's not terrible. But when you lose with double digit leads on the road to the two teams that you, you that you need to beat in order to get in the playoffs, it's devastating. It's absolute. What happened today? if it happened to another an a normal NFL franchise that had not been kicked in the nads for 15 straight years like it, that is the kind of loss that is utterly devastating and not well i have my guard up so i saw this coming i i still don't have a guard to put up uh, with the dolphins i let my guard down and i get crushed every time but that that like that's precisely what makes it so devastating is that fans now expect this like that is a particular kind of trauma for fans to now expect this to happen and that it's wrecked your season that if you just won those two games with double digit leads i i think if the dolphins merely in those games Instead of, as they did today, try and throw the ball, and as they did against Cincinnati, try and throw the ball, if they merely ran the ball three times and punted, just the two minutes off the clock might have been enough, and for, in Ryan Tannehill's case, not gotten him hurt in the Cincinnati game. If they just ran the ball three times, gained three yards and punted, that might have been preferable to what they did today.
1: Yeah, so Chris, I mean, but that's the thing. I, you know, as, as I look at, again, what happened today, mm-hmm. is that whoever the head coach has been, Whoever the quarterback has been, although it's been kind of the same quarterback for the last six years or at least most of them, uh, the result is the same. They just find different ways to do it. And 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 you talk about not running off the clock. and, And we look at those two losses, the Cincinnati loss and this loss. Look, the Cincinnati loss can be directly pegged to the quarterback. okay, and perhaps to an injury to the quarterback. Right. So it may not have been his fault in that sense, but it was his fault in terms of what happened in that game. Right. So, so, uh, but, but I, there, there was an extenuating circumstance there, which is he had a shoulder injury because the one thing we can say about Ryan Tannehill above all is he's a tough guy. That's the biggest positive. And he played through it and he played poorly and he lost them the game. And so I never put that game on Adam Gase. Although I know everybody feels like I pile on Adam Gase, I didn't put Mm -hmm. that one on Adam Gase. Because that was, I mean, what are you going to do if your quarterback is just, I mean, a complete disaster out there because he's hurt and he doesn't want to come out of the game. Um, So I'm not putting that one. This one's on him. Sorry. Agreed. It's, Agreed. It's on him. And, you know, Ryan played well enough. And Ryan's playing hurt. Like, Ryan's playing in pain. Ryan probably shouldn't even be playing, okay? When, when he took a hit in the first quarter of the game, you know, to the shoulder, I was like, ooh, he going to come up from that? Right. Okay. It, he, like- I, there there is one play, I think, in the middle of the
2: disaster sequence in the fourth quarter. It might have been before that, where he, like, Kenny Stills was open over the middle. He's got to fit the ball in a tight window. It felt like Ryan Tannehill tried to put everything he could into that throw, and it was just inaccurate and off. Like, I think healthy Ryan Tannehill, at least – hits Kenny Stills like that it was just a bad throw like I, I'd i have to go back and as they say in football parlance look at the tape but I, I, th- I think Ryan Tannehill was not himself today no
1: and he's playing for a couple of reasons one is it's what he likes to do and it's mm-hmm. always been his nature to try to play um, and two I mean his future is at stake yes um, and it's at stake here and it's at stake in general in the NFL because, you know, is he going to get another opportunity to be a starting quarterback right away? I don't know. I think there are enough situations in the league, whether it's a Tampa or a Jacksonville or a Washington or others that may present themselves to him. Well, wa- Washington, a, won't because dunk, w-
2: w- Washington won't because Alex Smith is on like 74 million guaranteed dollars. Right. But yeah, the, but I, I, I agree. With you. I think there'll be enough. Um, I, I, You know what though? Oakland might change quarterback but like you look at the like I always look at the bottom 5 like are the Giants going to re- really bring in Ryan Tenhill to settle their fan base as the Eli replacement uh, they're drafting a guy uh, I I agree with you on Jacksonville they have to do something with Blake Bortles cuz that's just stupid uh Tampa yeah, I, I, I can see it. I think also you'd have to go to the draft there to try and replace Winston. I, I I don't see a great deal of situations. I agree with you. I think Ryan Tannehill is probably playing for his 2019 to start, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think he would definitely get a job as a backup. No question. He's oh, like well overqualified to be a backup. I just don't know if any team is going to sign Ryan Tannehill and feel like, well, this is our guy. This is our franchise guy that we're going forward with without that fan base greeting it with an absolute meh as the Dolphins
1: fans now feel about him. That he just an absolute meh well I I can see him being a bridge quarterback right like so I mean you mentioned the Giants like I could see a situation where again they draft a guy and this Mm -hmm. is not a great quarterback draft but they're going to be high enough especially after losing today that they'll probably get a shot at one of the top two or three and so then you bring in Tannehill to be your bridge guy Mm -hmm. until that player is ready and and the Tyrod Taylor the Sam Bradford that you know is going to
2: get benched in three games
1: right he's perfectly capable of doing that and he was looking again under the circumstances today uh he was he was fine okay now there were a couple of tweets that i want to reference here though because um is this sean fahey is that how we pronounce it kian fahey okay that my totally so close i i I I I totally totally butchered that um but let's take a look at this okay well by the way while uh as, as I'm studying some of Josh Gordon's stats and wondering, maybe the Dolphins should have done that. Okay, here we go. Um, where Tannehill threw the ball today 21 yards, eight yards, minus six, minus two, six, five, four, 39 yards, minus five, zero zero thirty seven 37, eight, zero, minus three, two, four, five, one, minus six, 13, zero. Mm-hmm. So he threw the ball beyond what are we looking at here? We threw the ball beyond eight yards for. Three, three, four times. Yeah. Four, four times. times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13, 21, 37 and 39. Yeah.
2: He, he said he was charting this game and that, uh, the dolphins threw seven screen passes today.
1: So, okay. There are two issues there. One was the quarterback really ready to play. Um, I mean, we've heard about how he was ripping it in practice, right? He was ripping mm-hmm. it. Every, all, all the beat guys. <laughs> he's Leisure was making fun of the rest of them. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's he's ripping it sideways like what? which way is he ripping it I mean he, he made he made four throws I mean thirteen he, yards he, he made
2: throws in a setting in which it's like ideal to make throws not being pressured he's just standing around and throwing the ball like that's that's not NFL football like I, I almost I wanted to jokingly ask Kimbo Camper but I feel like you don't really do anything jokingly with Kimbo Camper at least on the radio I wanted to ask him hey uh, did they run a drill in warm-ups in which uh three guys are after him and he's got to throw the ball 45 yards downfield no okay then we really don't. Know whether Ryan Tannehill is actually ready for this game because because I had to ask him the obligatory, "Well, how did Tannehill look in warmups?" And right, it was right. he looked fine. Chris, thanks, Bo. Like like there's <laughs> like there's you're not gleaning anything from that. It's not useful information. Hey, Bo got me a table at his restaurant last <laughs> the other day. <laughs> Listen, so, I love Bo.
1: I, so, Bo is so the greatest. Let la, 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 lay off Bo. But yeah, look, <laughs> uh, four four throws, thirteen yards or further today. All right. So here's the thing about that: either Tannehill was not capable because of his situation of throwing further than that or Adam Gase's play calling is, is basically back in the 20th century at this stage. And I, and, and I'm going to lean, there's a little of the first, but there's a lot of the latter, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I just, I feel like, you know, I've gotten this reputation as being a gay basher and maybe it's deserved, but I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I, I'm, you know, in a game like this, like you have your team in position to win, Okay, credit for that. Find a way to finish the game. The decisions that were made at the end of that game are just And and you've talked about this actually. And it's interesting because I think today's a pivot point. You've talked about the fact that Gase hasn't really made the kind of decisions you can point to, right? Like he doesn't done the stupid things. Like yes. the things the things that Philbin used to get criticized for, the things that, you know, may you rest in peace, Tony Sperano used to get criticized for, the things that, you know, bless his heart. Dave Wanstead used to get criticized for. Okay, or Cam Cameron, he hasn't done like Cam deciding in the fourth preseason game. Eh, it's my first year ever as a head coach of the NFL, but I don't need to coach the fourth game because just in case I get sick sometime. And right. My two and and
2: and Dom Capers, who's uh, been, a head, who in the been league, a head coach, who's been a coach and in the like, league for Malarkey. ten years.
1: Mike Malarkey, who has been a head coach in the league. <laughs> they need to get some <laughs> experience as the head coach. <laughs> right. I don't need to coach this game. Okay. So there hasn't been. I mean, God, Dolphin history is so pathetic. That's yeah, amazing. Uh, so, so uh, look uh, there hasn't been anything like that there hasn't been like some of that which is which is almost the, the benefit
2: ones. of being beaten by 21, t- 21 points every time you lose that yeah. you don't lose close games he's only ever won close games which like, we don't which some people don't believe is an ability but at the very least has sort of been his ability since he's come here is that if you want to give credit to something for winning seven points or less games, sometimes it goes to the coach and the dolphins have won almost all of them since he's been here.
1: Yes. Right. And that's terrific. And they have a point differential of minus infinity, but right. It, that's but at terrific. least they won those close games. They won the close games. The ones that are close, they win. So there wasn't anything that you could point to. Correct. Okay. point to today. Okay. Yes, right. Yeah. Because, today, today uh, was the Frank, first time Frank, that, excuse my French. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. I, I just yeah. don't like,
2: yeah. I, I, I don't. And, we're, we're can gonna we, get Can to we some can we this. go play by play on how yeah. on how the that yeah. last series went because okay. I I I kind of blacked out during it and so I kind <laughs> I kind of want to remember it.
1: Because... <laughs> what did you say? You blacked out. You blacked out.
2: <laughs> yeah. So okay. So uh, first. Uh, so first down and ten at the Miami twenty-five. They take over with eight minutes and twenty-six left to play in the fourth quarter. They lead twenty-four to seventeen. Uh, first down and ten. Ryan Tannehill pass incomplete short right. I don't even remember. Who, 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 oh, is it? He rolled he out. Roll, he, he, was it like a roll out to the right and he threw it away, if I remember correctly? Wait, 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 wait I'm sorry. Which driver are you on? I was this is, so this is in the fourth quarter. Yes. Uh, this is after the Colts kick a field goal to make it 24 17. Uh, the Dolphins have it at the 25-yard line. Uh, okay. Tannehill threw yes. it short, incomplete short right. I think that was a throwaway after he, ro- he rolled out to his right. Uh, I, again, okay. for me, the thing about play calling is I don't know what the actual play called for, but uh, either way, it led to a throwaway. Second down and 10, okay. Ryan Tannehill passed incomplete short over the middle to Kenny Stills. That's the one that I was talking about because Kenny Stills was open on a crossing pattern, and Tannehill did not have the arm to get it, to get it there. And then uh, third down and ten, and this for me can we? I, I could do a whole podcast on this. When in the hell did third down and ten become a running down? Because not only, <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you, that Riot, that that the predictable play calling on third down and ten might have gotten Kenyon Drake hurt. Because they hand the ball off, and the Colts knew it was coming so much. They sent a linebacker Mm -hmm. blitz into exactly the place where they've handed the ball off the previous 37 third down and tens, and Kenny Drake gets absolutely lit the hell up. And, and he could I, I, I don't know if he's hurt I don't know if I, I haven't checked the I didn't check the Dolphins beat writers after the game because I was otherwise uh, committed after the game but Kenyon Drake gets absolutely hammered they pump the ball on fourth down uh, then after the Colts uh, predictably go and score on a seven play 89 yard drive the defense not without blame today uh, then the Dolphins take over first and 10 at their own six yard line uh, after a penalty uh, creates uh, one of those short kickoffs which uh, the NFL kickers have gotten really good at uh, which which is like, hey, we got the, rough in the, pad, the, you know, the roughing penalty after we're kicking off from the 50. Let's keep the ball in play so we can create the short, the, the short return. A predictable penalty as well, so they have the ball at the 6. They hand off to Frank Gore up the middle for no gain. Devontae Parker throws, uh, Tannehill throws a screen to Devontae Parker on the right-hand side. They run the ball up the middle on third down punt, and they don't touch the ball again. And those are the six plays that they ran. So, mm-hmm. I, I thought they threw the ball more than they did. Although, I mean, that first drive you throw the ball in first and second, first and second down is just not great. But, and look, and, and this is my thing. I, I don't like talking about play calling because I don't know what plays call for. I'd have to watch all 22 tape to really be able to diagnose the plays and figure out whether or not they're bad. But here's the end outcome. They ran six plays. They lost a yard. That's, <laughs> that, that's a complete, unmitigated disaster. And on top of that... As you said, they're on the road. They have to kill off a game. They, th- those six plays in total ran off a total minute and second total of two minutes and 30 seconds. Uh-huh. Two minutes and 30 seconds when you're trying to kill off the game. And the Colts don't even have to take timeouts. You're, you're, you're allowing them to end the game with timeouts, which they did uh, after they exhausted all the Dolphins' timeouts. Like They don't even have to really struggle in that fourth quarter and think, oh man. I don't know if we're gonna have a chance to get the ball back. Like that is a, that is an indictment of everything offensively, the the players, the play calling, the coaching, everything. Six plays, one yard, negative one yard, two minutes and thirty seconds. That is a complete and unmitigated disaster. And for me, I, look, I I know fans want blood after the game, and and they they want someone to scream, "I screwed up." I'm sorry about that. And and generally, NFL personalities are not going to allow for that because they have too much pride and frankly don't want to be blamed but when Adam Gase gets asked by Dave Hyde about the third down and 10 play do you regret running the ball he goes no i regret that we didn't block and it's like come on man like yeah. i i want to defend adam gase i want to i want i, th- I, I want but this i, know, I, know I want this but... i want this to work but good god man can you just say yeah we lost a yard in six plays in our last two drives. I screwed up pretty big there, didn't I? Like, wh- what is the harm in acknowledging he, that instead of does, blaming your backup
1: offensive does, lineman? He doesn't do that very often. Lord. We'll get back to the episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Nation. Are you thinking of selling your car? AutoNation's expert appraisers will give you top dollar any check the very same day the offer is guaranteed for seven days or 500 miles at any of auto nation's locations and they'll buy your car even if you don't buy one from them auto nation is proud to support the efforts of local organizations and treatment facilities in the fight against breast cancer since starting the drive pink campaign auto nation has raised and donated over 15 million to fund life-saving cancer research show your support in the fight against breast cancer by using the drive pink hashtag and showing off your pink AutoNation license plate frame. Visit AutoNation.com to find the nearest location. And it's interesting you mentioned, because I didn't know who asked him the question. I'm not surprised it was Hyde. Uh, and, and this is kind of a larger debate that we're having here, but it, I, I feel like, a little bit, it's kind of happened here, and, and this is how I've sort of gotten a reputation as being very negative on, on Gase, is what's happened here is I feel like some of the writers like him they just like him and and i can always tell when that's the case because coaches get benefit of the doubt when that happens and, and that's happened with eric spolster a lot with the heat but eric's won two championships now and was part of another one as an assistant so it's kind of like you know some of that is justified but with Gase, i, I do feel like some of these questions have just not getting asked how is it possible how is it possible that what finally ended today this streak of not scoring on the first drive in 13 straight games was not a bigger issue in the mainstream press down here like i, I say down here i'm in new york right now but in, in miami <laughs> how how is it possible that there was not a story about that in every publication every week because uh, to me like that's it's unfathomable that that was happening and it's like i was beating a drum on it because nobody else was and you know again you have Hyde asking a, a tough question there i don't know if the other tough questions are getting asked frankly um i i feel like there's been this sort of excuse making for The circumstances that he's been dealt, some of which, again, are beyond his control and some of which are within his control. It's not it's not within his control that, you know, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant didn't Mm -hmm. play today. That's not his fault. Or that Josh Sitton and Daniel Kilgore, who, by the way, didn't look great the first couple of games anyway. But like they got got Kilgore didn't. Yeah, Kilgore didn't. Right but i mean that was and and by the way and, and the,
2: you, you, you talk about the excuse making in the media but uh, the the herald wrote a good piece about so uh, like it, it, i think the thesis of it began was well how bad is like the sports science and, and the injury prevention and then it kind of became well how bad are the dolphins injuries really and i think mm-hmm. the the piece wrote that there were Fourteen teams with either the same or more players on injured reserve, and yeah, that their yeah, their total games them. missed is roughly commensurate with the rest of the league. It's not a particularly special amount of injuries. It's just they're our they're our injuries, so we notice them more.
1: Well, and they've also come to um, more important players than some of the because I did some of the research on it too, and it's come to more important players. Like the Chiefs have a bunch of guys out, the Patriots have a bunch of guys out, but they were not like of mm-hmm. they they weren't the type of players that was deemed as necessary as some of the players that the Dolphins have lost so I get that but case is responsible for a lot of the other stuff okay mm-hmm. he is and he's responsible for you know Brock Osweiler being the backup quarterback this year to a large degree I know fans are like well he didn't want him he's the quarterback whisperer he's yes. here for the quarterbacks if he didn't want a quarterback they wouldn't have the quarterback if you okay, don't think I, the front I, office is calling Adam Gase to be like hey who do you want as your backup quarterback like come on he's getting input on that. I, I Right. So, so look uh, that, that. So some of this stuff you know, was his fault. Okay. And some of the usage of the players is his fault. And I'm going to go through it again here a little bit. Um, one thing I, I don't want to gloss over too much too, because we are talking about the offense and the disaster of six plays and how this was so obvious to see coming that drive that touchdown drive. I mean, Matt Burke was. I mean, was he playing the D'Onofrio defense? Like, what what was that? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I, and and it was to, again. I'm not a football savant. Okay, I've been around around a lot of football players over the years. I've watched tapes tape with guys, but I'm not our guys at three yards per carry. I don't break down every play. Okay, but I identified it. Okay, the like the very first play, I'm like. Why the fuck are they twelve yards back? Like, well, what what's going on here? Like, what they basically totally decide they've decided we're not even going to attempt to get any pressure on Luck. I'm not saying throw a blitz. I'm just saying like, I will. Say, I, they- I will
2: say in their defense, there were times that that strategy worked earlier in the game. Like, I, I was I was listening to the radio guys and they were noting, "Wow, they're only blitzing three there." Like, that's a bit of a surprise. But eight, eight man eight, eight man zone kind of limited you know Andrew Luck to throwing the ball in the flat a lot and not getting T Y Hilton downfield. But then. I guess they are able to find the spaces in the second. I mean, they're always going to. Like, Indianapolis is a well-coached offense and an offense that's working at the very highest level right now, getting to 27 again, three more touchdowns for Andrew Luck. I think that's eight straight games for him with three touchdowns and completed basically 75 80% of his passes for uh, a fifth straight week during this win streak that they've had. Like, they're always going to find the holes in that secondary.
1: Okay, but uh, again, we, we I feel like we do this every week. We're like, well, they're really well-coached. Okay, um, wait, hold on. The Dolphins guys get paid too. Like I, mm-hmm. I and yeah. and that I, I keep I keep coming back to that we you know we, Frank Reich is a first year coach like Frank Reich was their twelfth choice like I, he's,
2: <laughs> they literally <laughs> announced another coach instead of the coach that they currently have and yet he's done a brilliant job and is getting a lot of credit and deserves it whereas the coach that came with all the hype for the Dolphins has uh, has gotten some credit but perhaps. Overinflated credit based off of what 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 the other indicators there.
1: Right. So I, I mean they're well coached, yes, and they have They have a better quarterback, obviously. Okay, but I mean the rest of their personnel is not elite. Okay, Marlon Mack was a fourth round pick. Last year, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, Kenyon Drake is a higher draft pick than Marlon Mack was, right? So, mm-hmm. like, so, their offensive line
2: Mack, is getting there, though. That, that offensive line is damn good,
1: it is. It was horrible for years, yes, yeah. right? I mean, that was the big issue. It was terrible for years, okay. Eric Abron, I, Ebron, I mean, they again, scrap heap. Like, I know he's got 10 touchdowns, but like, he didn't have 10 touchdowns with Detroit, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. He was supposed to be traded at the deadline last year. They don't have a second receiver of any note okay T.Y. Hilton's their number one he had a big day today 125 yards but they don't have an. uh, it's not like Reggie Wayne is still there so I I feel like we're just doing this thing in circles where it's like oh well the other guys are really good at this I mean like the Cincinnati game like I remember you know our three yards per carry guys gushing over Cincinnati's roster they're five and six right now okay Mm -hmm. they're coached by Marvin Lewis who's been there 10 years too long they're
2: basically entire their team identity is A.J. Green and when he's not healthy they're
1: Deeply the, below average. Correct. Okay, so this I, I just gonna keep coming back to this. I mean, are we are we basically just transferring the excuses that were made for Tannehill all these years to Gase and to say that? And I always make this distinction too. And when we talk about coaches in any sport, just just we're not saying a coach is not good at what he does. Okay, or at preparation or any of those things. But he's being compared against the other coaches in this inc- incredibly elite club. Like, uh, yes, if Adam Gates was coaching over at, uh, you know, Chaminade, OK, or, you know, or, or or even, you know, American Heritage or any of these. Oh, my God, he's a wizard. Yeah, he's a wizard. But he's not coaching against the other coaches that those guys coach against. He's coaching against other coaches in the NFL and he's getting his ass handed to him a lot. Okay, and and that's that's where I come down. It's not it's not was Dave Wanslet a good coach or Tony Sperano, a good coach. Obviously, you get to that level, you rise up through the ranks. I mean, Dave Wanslet was an elite defensive coordinator under Jimmy Johnson. He's a pretty good player,s but he was an elite defensive coordinator. Okay, he was he was a really good defensive coordinator at University of Miami. But when he became a head coach, was he a better head coach than Bill Belichick? Was he a better head coach than some of the other head Andy Reid or some of the other coaches? No, okay? And and that's what I'm getting to. And my thing on the coach and the quarterback in the NFL is this. Those are the two most important positions in the sport. If you don't have the right guy, you keep searching until you find them. I think you and I and others have come to the conclusion that Tannehill is not the right guy. Played well today. Tough as hell. Deserves enormous credit for that. But not the right guy, okay, Mm long-term at this stage. And I think I'm just coming to the conclusion on Adam Gase earlier than others are, because I I feel like others are going to come around to the same perspective because he's coming back. They're not firing him. He's coming back, okay. And I feel like somewhere around week seven or week eight next year, because it's already starting to turn. People are going to be like, "Ooh, okay, wait a second. Okay, this isn't getting better." And and that that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's not that I'm trying to like you know set a vanguard here or anything like that for this. It's just I just haven't seen anything. Other than him getting a team to ten and six that had a negative point differential, okay, I haven't seen anything that makes me believe this is the guy. And today was really the first time I think that a lot of people, and I see this on the timeline, were starting to see the same thing mm-hmm. because this what happened today is on him. It's on him because it, look, you can say it's on Matt Burke for what happened in that disastrous drive, but ultimately Gase is Burke's superior at this stage, okay, and. And you know gays I mean you know, I, th-
2: I think they did enough to win the game they created three turnovers they got stops at important times when the Dolphins offense was playing like crap for a quarter and a half so was the Colts like like the the the, the, the Colts didn't do anything for the same amount of time that the Dolphins so for me I I just I think the defense did enough to win today you're not like it's As much as we're talking, again, you're making excuses for them, but, like, it's hard to slow down the Colts' offense. And when you give them a chance because you're unable to do anything in the fourth quarter of a game, that's what it's going to look like. When you give Andrew Luck chances, he's damn good at football. When he Like, he hasn't been healthy for two years. When he's been healthy, he is excellent. That is what's going to happen. Like, you basically, with your offense, need to not give them the ball. Or you need to score so that if they're accruing all these yards and scoring points, that they're doing it in, in a meaningless situation because you're up by 10 points. The Dolphins needed to either have a six-minute drive in that fourth quarter or kick a field goal, and and you win the game. And that's and that's all it required, and they couldn't even manage that. And that, when we're talking about indictments of the coach, like, I, I do think that that's what we're talking about, is that they couldn't manage the thing when they needed it the most...
0: Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel any time. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
2: The coaches, the players, and everything involved in the infrastructure of the Dolphins is when you needed it, a drive, a something, a stop. I, I, if it would have been a stop, obviously, that, that would have been great too, but that didn't come either. But I, I guess my question would be, at 8 minutes and 26 seconds left to play in the fourth quarter, when you're mm-hmm. leading by a touchdown in Indianapolis what would we have said about this performance cuz i i do like to do that just in terms of not not to ne- unnecessarily be positive for the sake of balance but because the game went to hell in that moment but there were good things that happened before that what what would you have made of that performance i had the, I, Dolph- I had, had the game stayed 24-17 the dolphins you know maybe drive 3 minutes and punt they get to stop and then they they kill the clock whatever if they if the game had ended at eight minutes and twenty-six seconds left, what did you make of that performance?
1: Well I, I would I think the first thing we would have done was praise Ryan Tannehill for playing. Mm-hmm. Um and and for for doing the most he could with what he had Available to himself physically, um, so I think there would have been praise there. I, I think there would have been some praise for Gase for for some of the the play calling and all the rest of that. I thought there were some smart things that were done early in the game, particularly to get Kenyon Drake the mm-hmm. ball. Okay, which is something that I've made a big issue of. Okay, he had six targets in the passing game today. Uh, Kenny Stills was second with four. Um, the disappearance of Kenny Stills, by the way, it deserves an entire separate pod. Yeah. Okay, Catch play. for six yards uh, on
2: four targets today.
1: Yeah, not nothing at all. Um, and, and and I was getting from people, Oh, it's it's because Rossweiler was playing. Okay, well, I mean, Tannehill was playing today. Now I'm gonna get Will Tannehill can't throw very far. Like that's gonna be the next mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but but he had four targets today and and one catch for. We'd six probably stars. be talking about how Xavier Howard's a star. Xavier Howard is a star, but I think that's the one. Okay, so what have been the good things of this season? Is Xavier mm-hmm. Howard has been established as a star. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I thought was good and bad today. Uh, Raquan McMillan needs work, man. Like needs work. Okay, had, on the opposite end though, I think Kiko Alonso has been playing fantastically. I thought he, he was has. Today. He he has had another tackle for loss today. I mean, McMillan had had seven tackles. I don't remember a lot of them, but <laughs> he had. He, 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 he had seven tackles. You know, T.J. McDonald's made some plays this year, too, and he had 11 tackles. I mean, you never want your safeties getting that many tackles in the game. But, look, there, were, there, were, there have been some positive things on the defense that maybe we haven't focused on enough. Um, Rashad Jones had a big pass breakup. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, again, you look at the sack totals. I mean, I, this offensive line, was, as you said, was going to be difficult to get through. They had one. Mm-hmm. With Cameron Wake, they had another that was waived off because of a penalty. Um, but, the, I mean, they've been Charles bad Harris had a few more almost sacks. He's great. He, 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 lo- he loves him. an almost sack. He, he gets a lot of almost sacks. Um, and and then, you know, you take a look at it offensively. Um, you know, look, I mean, the Devontae Parker experience at this stage. I mean, you, 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 I, I don't want to say you take out the – the Thursday night game but i mean beyond that there's just been nothing i mean three catches i think it was an aberration like i think yeah.
2: it's it's his ultimate display of well i've got this in me but you're going to get it once every 9 weeks like it, right. and that's the mark of a bad football player like at a certain point you stop being potential and and you you stop being an athlete and you stop being measurables and you start being a football player and for me i think the dolphins have I don't like writing off rookies cuz i think they have a chance to improve and get better but they might have two in Parker and Gesicki because Gesicki is another one who's a little bit of as they as they say Montart. in spanish as they say in spanish a grande por gusto, which is he's big and he's athletic, but for what like I, he he got he had a catch today and he got hit with a helmet on the ball and he fumbled, and that was it like that was all he provided today, and he might just be a big great athlete who would be a great beach volleyball player and maybe should take that up to win an Olympic gold medal, but might not be a great football player and like the the Dolphins might have a few of those.
1: Well, I, and Durham Smith, I've always pronounced his name incorrectly. But Smith, by the way, I know, I knew I'd do that. That's <laughs> I always go the other direction. Right? Uh, two 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 targets today, uh, and Gasicki had one. So yeah. I, I, you know, we're we're just at the stage now where the expectation level for Gasicki, the expectation level for Parker and and frankly, unfortunately, the expectation level for stills. And, and I can't figure that one out. I mean, is he is he hurt still? Is there? I mean, is because he had, you know something that was lingering? for a while is that still an issue is it just an issue of the quarterbacks can't get the ball to him I mean I don't want to overlook the fact that Carew you know made the biggest play of his offensive career he's made some Mm -hmm. plays on special teams but uh you know with the 74 yard catch but they're just getting nothing from stills and so I think I think with stills it's always been a case of he either is getting deep targets or he's not he's the best
2: deep ball he's I don't want to say the best because, you know, there are other. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster at a 97 yarder today. He's really good at it, too. But Kenny Stills is a deep ball receiver and he is among tops in the NFL the last three years in catches for touchdowns on balls thrown 20 or more yards in the air, like in the entire league. And yet we feel like that those contributions happen in like very distant increments that they don't feel like they're that prescient. But he lives as a deep ball target. And if he's not getting deep ball targets, then he's going to have a catch for six yards on four targets. Like,
1: and he was also, he was also great from the slot last year. I mean, the guys in three yards per carry talked about that. And that's been completely under, you know, you bring in Amadola and it's like, okay, we're just shutting that off. Like that, that hasn't materialized at all for him this year. I mean, you look at his targets. I mean, we can say he's just been a deep ball receiver, but like coming into this game, his targets last year, 6.7 per game. This year, 3.7. And today, three or four. I'm sorry. So, I mean, it actually went it ticked up a little bit to 3.8, I guess, overall at this stage. So, like, I mean, he's getting about half the targets that he got last year. Has he gotten worse? Like, I, I don't believe he's gotten worse. Like, so it's, it's just the fact that Moore and Cutler, like, chuck the ball downfield. Like, that's the reason for it. Because, look, Kenny Stills was supposed to emerge this year. And Albert Wilson was starting to do it a little bit, but like he was supposed to emerge into a legitimate, not a 1A type receiver, but like, oh, you know, a 1B slash two, like the type of guy you know, that, that most teams would want to have as one of their top two receivers. And he's just been a total non-factor this year. Like, I mean, his numbers mm-hmm. aren't Especially much Especially for what they're money.
2: paying him, by the way. They're paying him a lot of money to not do anything.
1: So who's, whose fault is that? Like, I, I'm just going to keep coming back to this. Like, we, we talk again, okay? They didn't score 26 again today. They got to 24, all right? Um, I think the Chiefs are at, what is it now? I know people hate when I cite <laughs> the Chiefs. It's, I think it's 16 straight games. Sixteen straight games with twenty six points. They well, I mean, hell, they scored twice twenty six points in their last game, right against the Rams.
2: Okay, <laughs> no, they scored so, a little, a little less than twice. you only got to 51. Okay, a
1: little, le- one point less. <laughs> yes. Okay, so they scored. What, they they scored fifty one. So they've scored. Uh, they uh, Gase's teams have scored fifteen. Has scored twenty six points fifteen times the whole time he's been here. The Chiefs have done it sixteen straight. So uh, and and you're not getting production out of Stills you basically Parker has been completely written off. Maybe that's on Parker more than Gase, but I mean, he, Parker came here before Gase, but that hasn't worked out. You drafted Gasicki in the second round because you needed a dynamic player player at the tight end position. You, your other tight end got hurt is out for the season. The one that you planned on playing with him in Marquise gray. And you don't use the guy you have. Like you said, maybe he's not very good. I don't know, but like they thought he was pretty good. They drafted him in the second round. Like they sound like they drafted him in the fifth round. They drafted him in the second round. And, and he's been a total non-factor. So I just keep coming back to the same thing. When does this stuff come back to Adam Gase? And I feel like today there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a tipping point. And I don't take – Chris, I don't take any glee in that. The first drive thing, I was taking a little glee in. <laughs> yeah, that that died for you today. I felt, I that, felt bad that, for you. That died because I kind of made that my corner. But, like – but as far as 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 them not being successful, this is not good for us. Like I, I don't want them to not be successful. I mean, the Heat are a train wreck right now. The Hurricanes just had a totally meaningless seven and five season. Where are they going? Like the the Cadillac Bowl, the the, the Bowl. <laughs> the I, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what what bowl are they going to? Like I, that's not uh, the best know, case I, scenario. I
2: is the case. they're playing on New Year's Eve against in Jacksonville. That's the best case scenario,
1: right? That's not good. Okay. So <laughs> I, and, and the Panthers, my God, like Luongo's hurt now like that. I mean, that's is I he mean, again, really? Oh my well, God. Well, we were supposed to do a podcast with him this week. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's probably going to be out a while. So, <laughs> so, so like, I mean, and, and look, and, and I've got Marlins fans arguing with me on Twitter that we're not positive enough on them. I've been more positive about the Marlins than about anything else. Like, I, I mean, at least there seems to be a direction there with everything else, there's no direct
2: tanking is a direction. That right. that's that, that's the best uh feature of tanking by the way for 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 or potential front office executives that are thinking about tanking. At least you can sell it to your fans as a direction. Even if it's right. a direction that's based off of losing. We'll get back to today's edition of the Five Reasons Podcast in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors here in the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance. All your protection under one roof. Brunt Insurance offers home, auto, commercial, and life insurance. Licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida, from Pensacola all the way down to the Keys. Multiple carriers for all product lines to ensure you pay the lowest rate in your area. Proud sponsor as well of the Homes for Heroes program, which offers special discounts for first responders, teachers, military and healthcare professionals call greg at 954-589-2204 to reach brunt insurance or go to bruntinsurance.com
1: the other teams down here have no direction and no yeah. direction and so i guess to finish here i don't know that we want to dwell on this that much more as far as what happened yeah. today um i guess to close you know my feeling on this is is here uh, you know the dolphins pretty much need to run the table to make the playoffs now because of the tiebreakers. Like, they're going to have to get to 10 wins. Like, I, nine is not going to be enough. The Ravens, uh, you know, I mean, look, they won twice with a rookie quarterback, okay? Who was, by the way, available to the Dolphins? I'm, You know, yeah, we can argue about true. whether they should have picked him or not, but they Every, weren't Everyone talked about Rosen, how Rosen
2: was available to go trade up. You could have just taken Lamar Jackson or even traded down and got Lamar Jackson. You could have, right.
1: And I don't, the Minka pick's a great pick, but you also picked a player at the same position as your best defensive player, and it's hard to get them both on the field at the mm-hmm. same time all the time. And so at least without moving one of them, which has been Minka, out of position. So you could have drafted this guy who's now ahead of you in the playoff picture in the AFC. And I'm sorry, that Baltimore roster, like people like look back at it like it's the roster that beat Kaepernick. It's not the same roster, man. Like, they, I mean, I, they've turned that thing over, Ozzie, that They've turned it over a million times. It's not an elite talent roster, okay, at this stage. And they have a better record than the Dolphins. Um, you know, we got a Monday night game that we're going to see how that plays out, okay, with, with Tennessee and Houston yep. involved. So maybe Tennessee slips back. The Dolphins have a tiebreaker over them. But the Dolphins don't have a tiebreaker over Cincy. They're game back. And by the way, Denver won today. Impressive win against Pittsburgh. They looked better. I watched some of that game while I was watching the Dolphin game. And, and they have a pretty soft schedule. Like, that Denver team could get to 9-7. and seven. So... I don't. There to me, the only path for the Dolphins is to sweep this thing. That's not going to happen. Okay, even the Bills have looked a little better of late. Yeah. Albeit they played the Jaguars, a team the Dolphins still play. So those the, two games Jets, are not yeah. gimmies, and the Jets, right? And so those two games are not gimmies. Okay, the two games against the Bills. So and you, and you still got to play the Patriots. All right, even if it's at home, you still got to play the Patriots. So none of this is setting up for a 5 and 0 finish and if it doesn't and if they're 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 a lot of dolphin fans are just going to cling to the injuries and to the excuses and what i'm going to say to the that is And the expectations is, by the way and to the expect and enough of that, okay. Enough of that. Like, I wh- who sets the expectations? Us, Vegas, whatever. I mean, the idea that you beat an expectation. Like, we don't know anything at the beginning of the year. Other people don't know anything. Okay, you're being judged on the result, not the expectation. And if they end up with seven wins, which looks like no, the okay. no, no.
2: But hang on, hang on a second. But yes. Y- so, so you thought that before the season? C- like, so we we said on what did we say on the pod six and ten or seven? I went oh,
1: I went over six and a half. Okay. I- I put money on it, so yes, I went over okay. six. Okay. Yes. So,
2: so you're you're actually kind of rooting for the Dolphins to beat
1: the Bills twice. I'm not rooting against the Dolphins in any way, Chris, <laughs> except for that first drive. There. Yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. No, yeah.
2: now it's over though. So, so now we can we did we, we order has been restored. If they had
1: if they had won today, if they had won today, uh, this would have been a good week. Like, because uh, you're le- you're leading up to the Bills game. It's a winnable game. Chance to go seven and five. Uh, after that, you've got the you, Patriots you, at you, home. You've only, you only
2: lost the tiebreaker to the Bengals, who lost and look appear to be bad now. Like right, like and, you're, and, you're
1: in a great position. And you and I could have put off talking about why James Johnson's playing more minutes than Justice Winslow <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> like, like I was not rooting against them today, just to be right. Okay, I, just the first drive, and I was wrong <laughs> about that. So, I so I, we don't have any stake in them in them not not fulfilling expectations or whatever it is. Quite the contrary. Right. I'm saying that this thing looks like it's headed now for seven and nine, probably, maybe eight and eight. And then we're going to get the, well, they didn't have their quarterback for a period of time. You know, Wilson went out. By the way, Wilson was projected to be their fourth receiver. Grant went out, projected to be their fifth receiver. Kilgore went but you out. Just said, but you just mm-hmm. said that we, we set the I, expectations. Oh, OK. We, so we, we'll we set the
2: expectations. We, we throw the expectations out on,
1: on Albert Wilson. All right. So they're, they're, they're seven and nine or eight and eight. Mm hmm. And I think what you have after today is some evidence that maybe this coach, not just the quarterback, who was as good as he could be under the circumstances today, I thought, uh, maybe this coach is not ready for prime time, like not ready to win this kind of game on the road to help his team close it. And, and that's, that's, that's my takeaway from today. I'm not saying you have to fire him or anything like that, but what I am saying, and I've said this now for a few weeks, is I do think, that they need new leadership in the organization, okay, in terms of a team president or something like that. And I'll say if that guy wants his own coach, then I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, now, if that guy says let's give Adam Gase one more year and let him pick a quarterback, then you have to trust that person's judgment. I'm not big on these half blow-ups because the Dolphins have done this yeah. a million times. Because, because, on, because
2: you you limit the pool of candidates if you do a half blow-up. Right. You limit Because, like, if – you know, the, the Ravens guy has been holding out for a while and he's finally going to get you know his opportunity. The Patriots guy held out for a while because, you know, he might get his opportunity. So, like, I, 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 I do think that you limit the pool of candidates by saying we want our own quarter. We, like, we like we, like I, I want to pick my own coach. And if you say no, we're committed to Adam Gase, then you limit the pool of how quality that can be. As they did, by the way, with Dennis Hickey when uh when they when, you know, they Dennis Hickey was their seventh choice and the reason why is because you're you're sticking Joe Philbin onto somebody. Like in retrospect, that's idiotic. But right. I, I I don't think Adam Gase is Joe Philbin, as, as has been outlined here on the program, but I, I, I do think that you limit who you could potentially bring in if you believe that to be the case. Now I think there's a chance that Mike Tannenbaum comes back because, as Barry Jackson outlined in the Herald this week, uh, the Dolphins have a pretty easy route to like 105 million dollars in cap space, like mm-hmm. just like a ridiculous amount because they basically have nobody on a long-term contract except for their rookies and Rashad Jones. I think is basically it. Like even Ryan Tannehill, you can post June one him and like get some cap space for him. So like I I don't think that the Dolphins will be wanting for cap space. They might have an opportunity to rebuild it again next year and. Maybe they give Ryan, Mike Tannenbaum that one last opportunity to go and do that.
1: Why do you want? Why, why do you want to do that? Like, I, no, okay. I mean, I'm not saying so, I want so, to, but like, so, I mean, so if, thanks, thanks for the cap space. But Sashi Brown created a ton of cap space with draft picks in Cleveland, and they still decided that... they didn't go in John, sixteen, though. No. <laughs> no, no, that's true. <laughs> but they, they still decided that John Dorsey would be better moving the thing sure. forward. Mm-hmm. What, what I mean, to me, you don't. What you don't do, okay? And you're right, Ross did this last time. What you don't do. Is you don't tell a new GM or team president, you have to keep the coach. You tell the you tell the new team president, here's you can our coach. Make co- whatever decisions you can want. Here's our coach. You want to re-interview him? Re-interview him. Okay. You wanna you wanna interview others? You do that. Why should why why is what is it about this organization? Okay that like nobody faces any competition like that the quarterback well we can't possibly get somebody who's going to push ryan like i mean we're saying this i mean let's just keep bringing back matt Bohr on two million dollars like what, what like the, and, and now you're going to do the same thing with a coach like no adam Gase at this point should in my view his like, status is not
2: unimpeachable
1: it's not unimpeachable like you should bring in somebody else okay as a team president and that team president should basically evaluate the work of adam Gase, talk to all these people reinterview Adam interview And if he deems it necessary, interview some others and decide who's the best for his organization. Then it's not halfway as much because then at least it's, okay. we looked at the guy. We evaluated it. We decided there were some circumstances beyond his control. I, I think that he would be the right guy going forward for us. And then you have a new team president and you have to trust that guy that somebody came in from the outside and looked at it and said, but Ross shouldn't put any pressure on that. Ross should say you do what you need to do. And decide whether Adam Gase is the right guy for you. Would and here's a question you have to ask. Would you hire Adam Gase again now? Okay. Like, not not just, well, he's here, eh, we owe him some money, let's keep him around. Would you hire him again now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Based off the body of work from the last three years, plus whatever he did previous, but mostly for the past three would years. Would you? Uh, would I? Yeah. Uh, no. No. Okay. Uh, no, but but that does, but I'm not calling for a firing. I'm just saying, would I do that? No, okay, but I think if you take a look at some of the other candidates, Are you, so maybe. so what
2: so what would you call for? Would you call for increased pressure? Would you call for I, I would call more, more scrutiny a, and more scrutiny more, of his
1: work. More more scrutiny and evaluation. So I would I would call for uh, exactly what I'm saying that that you uh, to me the Tannenbaum era is is pretty much over. I think okay, I I think it's I think it's over. I think you know he, he they did some good things this offseason. The Albert Wilson signing. Uh, and not some resigning Landry. I think letting Sue go made sense, but that was Tannebaum's mistake in the first place. Okay, so uh, th- there were, I, I you know, and I think the draft. I think Greer did some good things. Again, we can argue about the quarterback situation. I think organizationally, they have not put enough of a premium on the quarterback. Okay, we can argue about whether they should have, re- you know, should have gone for Lamar Jackson or not gone for Lamar Jackson or moved up for Josh Rosen. Both of you believe, both you and I, I think believe they should have. Even if Minka is a really good player, he's still a safety. Okay, and you had a safety so i i i think it to me i would look at maybe keeping greer because i think some of the individual work on the draft has been pretty decent but i think the big picture philosophy for tannebaum got better this past off season in terms of not spending the big money on one guy bringing in a couple of guys but the roster is still not good enough and you can't make it we can't keep having it both ways and saying adam Gase doesn't have anything to work with um but you know, Tannenbaum's fine too. Like, it's one or the other, or both. Like, it's, it's not neither. Like, I mean, it's, it's not working. So, somebody has to, has to be accountable for that. So, what I'm saying on Gase is I think someone new, not Mike Tannenbaum, has to essentially make him accountable. And if that means re-interviewing him for the same position, you don't have to announce you're interviewing him, but obviously talk to him, get a sense of it, and decide whether or not he's the right guy. That's mm-hmm. where I would go with this. Hey, it's Josh Appel.
0: And Mr. Bill Eleven. Now, we are from Smark Your Territory, the
2: five-reason sports network's resident wrestling podcast coming at you live on tape every
0: Wednesday. From the fortress of Smark, join us on the fringes of the smattering for some not so serious pro wrestling talk. It's Smark your territory every Wednesday on the Five Reasons Sports Network.
2: Now I, I do kind of wonder, and I, and I agree. I, I generally think that your your head's in the right place on this. Although I, I think the the way that you sort of communicate it makes it seem like you are calling for a firing. But I'm I'm glad you're able to clear it up. But I, I do kind of wonder. I think there's been a pocket of hashtag dolphins. Tw- I hate calling Twitters Twitter. As a matter of fact, I'm taking that back. I'm not I'm not calling it <laughs> dolphins Twitter. I think calling I I think I think calling yourself a Twitter is just the most obnoxious thing in the world. I think dolphins fans on Twitter uh, have there's been a pocket that have been increasingly out. Uh, And and I, I I think what you've been saying, I think, is in keeping with what they've been saying. But I genuinely wonder how much in this next week that really gets ramped up and how the fact that Adam Gase didn't really take accountability for it after the game and that it was this kind of spectacular of an offensive calamity that can be directly associated with play calling, that now that becomes more of a widespread opinion and that the people who are in your mentions that drive you crazy every day become fewer and fewer and have started to acknowledge oh yeah, this isn't great. Like, I I, I genuinely wonder how that turns this week. I I don't know how we gauge that. I don't know if, I mean, I I feel like Twitter polls are a bad way to accurately gauge. uh, Callers in the sports radio are a bad way to accurately gauge. I think we'll just have to figure it out anecdotally like how much this feels like it's changed by virtue of what happened today because I feel like today was sort of a point of no return for some people.
1: Well all right, I'm gonna read you before we go here. All right real quick I'm gonna read you some tweets. i just just I, I just typed Adam Gase into into Twitter. Okay. So he, mm-hmm. here are our tweets, okay? And and I'm they're from a cross section of people. So this is from Josh Houts, uh who who does some work over for us at Maven, does a little bit at five reasons, okay? But obviously follows the team very closely. You can use injuries as an excuse for the first 10 games, but what Adam Gase did with the season on the line is unacceptable. Here's this from Will Manso, who is, and I know it, Will, Will's a little easier on the Heat, okay, that he is, he is on some other teams in this market, but he is a sports anchor at Channel 10, okay, and he does he does I'd have. Say, a I'd say he's
2: a, he's a fair voice on all the teams. It, he's a fair voice on the. He's a fair, he's a, he's a fair voice on the teams except the Heat. Like except I think, the, except... I think he's got a bit of a rosier perspective on the Heat, and he might even acknowledge that.
1: I, I think he would acknowledge, it, and he's a friend of the program, so we, we bust on him because we can. Okay, but here's this is from Will. Just a brutal loss. Dolphins ran the ball well all game. Gase called a good game and didn't put too much on Tannehill. Ryan was solid. Got a big play from Carew, and then you absolutely give them the game in the final two drives. This was on Adam Gase. Okay, now this is from Cameron Wolf new to the scene here covers the team for ESPN. Okay. I don't, I haven't seen him as being a bomb thrower since he's come here. Okay. But he also doesn't have sort of the, what What should we say? Some of the sort of allegiances maybe that some of mm-hmm. the other, some of the others in the local media have developed over time to Gase. Okay. And, and all the rest of this. And plus he, he let's be honest, he works at a more powerful platform ESPN. He doesn't need the dolphins as much as some of the locals do. Okay. Here's his tweet. That's the third draw called by Adam Gase on third and 10 today. That's not playing to win the game. If you trust your quarterback, you have to try to go get it. This is from Jonathan Zaslow. 790, the ticket, it was just on Smarter Your Territory this week. This is a football take, not a wrestling take. Instead of handling the ball off on 3rd and 10 with your season on the line, why didn't Adam Gase just quit? Same thing, yes?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're punting from basically the 10-yard line and giving them the ball midfield. That basically is acknowledged. That's, that's, that's throwing in the towel. Like, you know, like, did anyone think that the Dolphins' defense would, would get a stop there? Did anyone?
1: No, 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 no. no. Everybody was retweeting my tweet that I've seen this game a million times. (laughs) Um, Steven Holder, okay, used to cover the Dolphins for, um, excuse me, used to cover the Heat and some Dolphins for the Miami Herald. He's been up in Indianapolis now for a while. Steven, also not a bomb thrower, okay? Tweet from four hours ago as we taped this about 7 o'clock. I have no idea what Adam Gase is doing. This Now, others from fans, Mm -hmm. okay, sad Dolphins fan. That's his that's not the avatar. It's it's D5 (laughs) underscore Jones 20. Adam Gase lost this game with his awful play calling. And if you don't believe that, then I don't know what to tell you Mm -hmm. at Neil Driscoll. Another of, of these sort of Dolphin fans is very active on Twitter. Okay. Another name. If you follow the Dolphins, you know. Adam Gase proved today that he isn't a legit NFL coach. You'll be mad at me for saying it, but what Ian said below is exactly why. Good riddance. And what he's referring to is Ian Wharton, who we should have in the pod, by the way. Ian Wharton, who goes by at NFL Film Study. Colts trusted their quarterback. Miami didn't, can't have a staff, afraid to go for the win when the opportunity is. And
2: that's, I think, a point that we should probably make on another podcast when we go a little bit bigger picture, is that My God, if you're gonna if you're gonna defend Ryan Tannehill that much in the press, and you're gonna basically stake your coaching reputation on Ryan Tannehill, let him lose you the game. If Mm -hmm. you if you're scared about field position because if you turn the ball over, then you've given the ball. Actually, that might have been a preferable outcome because at least the Colts would score quickly. At least if you turn the ball over, at least you you kind of get it over with. But like, let the quarterback fail. Like, let allow him to throw the ball. Ten and a half yards downfield, and see if maybe he can't make a play. And if you throw an incomplete pass, whatever. But like, allow him to fail. Third and ten is a running down for this team. now. it's infuriating. Greg Likens. Can, can, can Greg I can, Likens. can I offer one by the way before yeah. you know? Yeah, yes. I, I, you you read Greg's first. I, I, I'm a big uh, fan of Greg, so go on. Okay,
1: Greg. Also not a bomb thrower. Very no. very balanced person. Okay, very good broadcaster. At Greg Likens, Adam Gase's conservative play calling on the final two Dolphins possessions are the epitome of a playing not to lose mentality. Highly disappointing, especially in a winnable game and with Tannehill back at quarterback.
2: Now, mine is I, from uh, Kian Fahy, who, who we referenced earlier. Uh, this is from his piece that uh, that he wrote after the game. He was taking a particular interest in this game. Uh, he, said, he writes, quote, Dolphins fans have had depressing games over the past uh, two decades. This one was supposed to be a barometer game for the quarterback to see whether he was fully healthy and effective or whether his issues would linger for the remainder of the season. Instead, it turned into an indictment of the head coach. And th- that, that I think, is a, is sort of a continued barometer of what we're seeing, which is, a continued souring on Adam Gase, and that you know that and and Fahey is someone who's been viewed as too positive on Ryan Tannehill, and that you know that that his charting and his um and and the study that he does is overwhelmingly positive on Tannehill in a way that other metrics aren't, and that Adam Gase is kind of viewed, and for me the thing that I guess is most disappointing. Is that Adam Gase obviously comes in as the reputation Peyton Manning threw fifty-five touchdowns with him as the offensive coordinator, and that he coordinated the 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 Cutler offense. I thought that this offense that that the offense that the offense of a quarterback whisper genius was an aggressive one, one that takes mm-hmm. chances, one that's trying to create big plays. And what actually ended up happening is the exact opposite, which is that Adam Gase's philosophy is I'm getting any quarterback in the world to a 91 quarterback rating. Any quarterback in the world, right? Like you give me an NFL quarterback, that quarterback will have a 91 quarterback rating, but he never puts them in any position to make any dangerous throws or any big plays. And at a certain point, like Andrew Luck took a few chances and threw a couple picks. Like he, mm-hmm. he tried the deep shot to Ebron before halftime that Xavier Howard intercepted. Uh, like they they tried they, they tried the deep one to Ty Hilton which also Xavier Howard intercepted. But they like even Frank Reich who runs a pretty conservative offense they at least take the chances they at least allow Andrew Luck to hang himself with some rope. Like Adam Case doesn't even afford that to his quarterbacks. There's actually a stat that that I that I had here. Um, so there's a uh, stat that NFL Next Gen stats keep track of which is aggressiveness percentage, which is basically number of throws into tight windows. Uh, they, they identify it as uh, tracks the amount of passing attempts a quarterback makes that are into tight coverage, where there is a defender within one yard or less of the receiver at the time of completion or incompletion. Uh, they show it as percentage of throws in that situation. Uh, leading the league is Josh Rosen, perhaps a bit too aggressive, uh, mm. given the number of interceptions that he's thrown. But bottom of the league, uh, so Josh Rosen's aggressive percentage is 21.5%. Bottom of the league is Brock Osweiler at 8.4. Fifth from bottom is Ryan Tannehill at 13. So he just doesn't allow his quarterbacks to make dangerous plays, which results in a lack of turnovers, but it also results in a lack of big plays, which is when you're trying to kill the game in the fourth quarter, when you're trying to come back from from down uh, double digits in a game, it just doesn't allow you to do that. And I think that for me is the biggest disappointment is that generally you look at the offensive geniuses that are around the league right now, they're going and taking their teams and leading them to big plays and exciting offenses. And I'm just surprised that this particular kind of offensive genius, which I think exists elsewhere, like I think like Jim Bob Cooter, the Lions offensive coordinator that has kind of sanitized uh, Matthew Stafford, like it's, you're you're not trying to create something new. You're trying to sanitize a quarterback Mm -hmm. to the degree in which they're not making any mistakes or causing you any problems. But there's just nothing there, and it demands perfection. It demands everything else be great, and the Dolphins just don't have that. So that's where I think they're left short, and that's where I'm disappointed with the coach. Like, I'm, I've generally been the apologist on this podcast. My disappointment has been, well, hang on a second. I thought we were getting a guy that would go for it on fourth down and try and throw the ball downfield and create a big-time offense. That's not at all what Adam Gates has attempted to do.
1: No, it's not, and I feel like we should end here because I feel like now we're in the pile-on stage. Because once you <laughs> once you join in with me, you don't you don't like the fact that you have fun. allies now. You like being uh, no, alone in the corner. No, I, I liked being on an <laughs> island. Now everybody's stealing my takes. These these are three week old takes. Yeah. Like there's six week old takes, and now I've everybody down here in, in in local media is doing the same thing. All right, we'll get to a little bit more next week. I'm actually going to be at the game. Uh, with you next week, uh, the Bills game. So we, we'll do the podcast from there. We'll get into the Heat's problems a little bit later in the week. We're also setting up a podcast with Tim Hardaway. So we're we'll, we're just going to start doing nostalgia pods all the time. That's all, just mm-hmm. nostalgia pods to when you know teams actually made the playoffs down here. Fi- the, to me,
2: the the, so, bro, so the hilarious thing is that we did a nostalgia pod with the teams that at the time were not experienced with nostalgia. Like, no. like we did the Jay the Rainy McMichael pod, which now passes for nostalgia because it's gotten so much worse from there. But as it was happening, it, oh, was no. not, it did not feel like nostalgia.
1: And that's how we end. Thank you for listening to
0: the Fire in the Pocket. Thank you so much.